Welcome back to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. It's me, Benjamin, and we've also got Alex and Carly and Matthias and Ricky. Today is Thursday, February 18th, and thanks for joining us this week. We are starting the show off today with a bit of good news. Um, Rush Limbaugh, uh, a titan of radio broadcasting and uh, one of the most influential voices in conservative politics over like the last 30 years, uh, has died at the age of 70. Uh, and it is a good thing that we like very much, and he should have died a lot longer ago. He just couldn't make it into that Henry Kissinger club. No, no. You have to have oh. like a special line on the adrenochrome. <laughs> He didn't sacrifice enough virgins. Uh, Limbaugh famously uh, originated the phrase feminazis, didn't he? He mm. did, yeah. Who was, um, who's the other contemporary to Rush Limbaugh? When people always talk about Rush Limbaugh, who's the other guy they always talk about? In politics or in radio? In radio, like conservative radio. Um, well, there's the guy who started his own The, bla- the Blaze because he got kicked off because he was Glenn the, Beck. Yeah, Glenn no, Beck. No, Rush the Limbaugh. religious one. No, Rush, Rush Limbaugh is like the king. Rush yeah, is king. I, I associate Limbaugh with an earlier generation, like come up in the 90s more than Glenn Beck. I, I listened to I, Rush Limbaugh in the back of my mom and dad's car a lot. And I remember his really, really annoying intro because it was the song Let Freedom Ring and it had these bells in it. I thought that was Rush Limbaugh, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I'm it would pr- always I, come on right when I got out of school, and I probably I'm, listened to his his droll openings for at least eight years, getting driven home from school. I, just to just to emphasize, like what kind of guy like Rush Limbaugh meant, like what he meant to the right wing of this country for like decades. Like, I'm pretty sure in the '90s he got in a feud with uh, Newt Gingrich. He was like. The fucking or or was it was Newt Gingrich the fucking uh, speaker, of the, speaker in the of the house in the nineties? Yeah. Yes. Or, okay. He was I thought big, that I thought that might have been Dennis Haster, and then he came afterward, or maybe it's both. They were both speaker of the house at one point, but anyways, in the nineties. But anyways, like uh, so, Newt Gingrich was speaker of the house, and he got in a like feud with Rush Limbaugh, and Rush Limbaugh like Rush Limbaugh basically won, and Newt Gingrich had to come kiss the ring. I'm pretty sure that happened. I'm it did. Not... You are correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, that is literally, like, what fucking, like, Ru- like, Rush Limbaugh was fucking king. And he's, like, you know, like, one of the most evil motherfuckers imaginable. You know, like, I'm glad he's eating shit wherever people do when they die. Well, yeah. I think it was somebody... Bad. I'm not going to eat shit because I'm, like, good, but um, <laughs> he's going to eat lots of shit. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was is probably the most was probably the most widely available radio station that was consistent. Um, Like, you know, NPR would probably be a nomination because it's, you know, national public radio. But since like its organization is so fucked up, like it's on different stations wherever you go Mm -hmm. and you can't get it in vast swaths of the United States. So there's a lot of people who will say that, you know, oh, well, truckers get radicalized and people who drive a lot get radicalized because uh, conservative radio stations are one of the only ones that are consistent uh, just across the entire entire nation. And I think it's, it's sort of a testament to the right's ability to harness networking, to harness propaganda, to harness uh, mass media where the left has been completely unable to do so or you know even centrist npr i mean i don't want to well, i don't want to say not... I, I don't want to say that like Bill Clinton. kind of i think those aren't unrelated things right so what is the reason that rush limbaugh had the power he did which it was mass uh telecommunications deregulation that started in the 80s right that gave right-wing radio but that's the same thing that took money away from NPR, right? So the uh-huh. the reason that we don't have public radio is the same reason we have a lot of power in private, like, not job conservative radio. Yeah, and I That's mean, it started opinion. in the 80s and Bill Clinton, like, finished the fucking job in the 90s. Yeah, like, yeah. this was fucking abetted by the Democratic Party. Yeah, it was, right? This is, and it's like, I think that, I feel like a lot of people know about the Telecommunications Act of whatever, 96 or whatever now. I feel like it's like a hot topic for young, like, younger leftists, partially because it, 
uh, just because probably we're mad about this topic, right? It also well, had a lot of bearing into, on internet. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It ties into yeah. like internet debate a lot, and Telecommunications Act just has really far far reaching uh, capabilities. Yeah, I mean, and it's I, like it's the reason why we have these like mon- giant monopolies yeah, yeah. where you have like fucking Disney owning literally everything. Yeah, and I, I or like actually, Sinclair Broadcasting owning lots of like local news. Yeah, channels. yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. And I saw this connected. I saw the Limbaugh thing more also connected to the fairness doctrine, which was the other thing that they lifted in the 80s. That was like the thing that made you have to like not be a right wing radio. Um, I saw some people talking of connecting that to its origins in Father Coughlin. Right. Um, so like we had to ask how you or so how you like, would compare them. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that before until this week, but there's, like, this through line of anti-communist Cold War right-wing media guys, and then they get picked up again in the 80s and 90s because the state, the Democrat, you know, eventually controlled by the Democrats, they, like, just strip all of this regulation that, like, stopped them. Um, I always love a Coughlin shout-out. He's a a local to Michigan. (laughs) An icon. (laughs) Truly. Literally. (laughs) A Catholic icon. Yeah, to show... I feel like mm-hmm. to show how much, you know, he means to the right, just sort of spiritually, I feel like there's going to be a lot of t-shirts printed with, like, the ghost of John McCain next to the ghost of Rush Limbaugh, mm. right? Oh my god, when are the Dems going to be like, when, who is going to make it so the Dems are going to be like, when we had reasonable right-wing ins- insane uh. punishment? Oh. Like, oh, remember when we had people like Rush? Oh, that, I mean, like, he got uh, the Presidential <laughs> Medal of Freedom, so, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's we can't disrespect From Obama. I'm, assu- I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Would right wingers would, would right wingers who like Limbaugh put him on a T-shirt with McCain? I thought that oh, they no. would. Oh God, no. no, no way, no way. Yeah, liberals yeah, I, are gonna do that. They're gonna I, like I, try and like. No, no, I was talking about right wingers. No, yeah, I'm I'm saying liberals are gonna claim like Rush Limbaugh and John oh, McCain. Yeah. Because like, oh, you would rather have Trump than Rush than good Americans like Rush Limbaugh. And they're, John gonna hear, they're gonna hear a story about how like one time Rush Limbaugh left a nice voicemail message for Barack Obama and was like, "You're the most literate black person I know." And liberals are gonna come crawling out of the woodwork to be like, "Rush Limbaugh wasn't actually a bad guy." Mm. <laughs> I just had to uh, look up if Pat Buchanan was still alive. He is. He's another guy I associate with that, word. like, kind of new right. Michelle Obama is going to send, yeah, yeah. like, a bouquet of Thin Mints to his grave, and they're going to be like, see, anyone can be redeemed. An inedible arrangement. <laughs> yes. is, Pat Buchanan, is Pat Buchanan the guy who is the, the 700 club? No, that's Pat Rob- Robertson. It's Robertson. Oh, uh, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. Pat Robertson. Pat Buchanan was just like a... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like another pundit, but also a politi- politician. Uh, you know who I associate Rush Limbaugh with is uh, Bill O'Reilly, who is now right. totally like... I mean, I don't miss him. All right. Who goes first? Actually, Bill O'Reilly or Henry Kissinger? I think O'Reilly, O'Reilly was the guy that I used to yeah. listen to at once school got out. That was the that was the big one, I think. Like yeah, Bill was O'Reilly the, uh... was really big. Wasn't he bigger in the Midwest or in certain areas? Bill O'Reilly. I mean, Bill O'Reilly <laughs> was definitely he had his time. One hundred percent. He had his time. But like yeah. Rush, Rush was always there. Rush was like just he 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 was the king. Like there's just Rush no doubt eternal. about it. I will say this. <laughs> I talk a big talk about remembering the right wing radicals or whatever from that time period, but I am uh, definitely insulated enough from them that I like literally was not ever. I knew who Rush Limbaugh was. I was never in a situation where there was Rush Limbaugh playing like ever in my entire life. Uh, that's like my uh, urban urban liberal privilege. Not a single time can I remember being in a. If my mother had found out I had been in a car where someone had Rush Limbaugh on the radio, she would have like. Gotten the cops called on her. <laughs> I didn't know what NPR was until high school when my neighbor's mom, who was a diet dietitian in a hospital, drove me once because she Lovely. was home because she had had a surgery a couple days ago from school. So that was the very first time I knew what NPR was, was like sophomore to or junior year of high school. That is the most hilariously NPR-like job, dietitian at a hospital. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. A job you only get when the other dietitian in the same hospital dies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, like, it, it kind of makes me sad that this is just like a podcast. I wish we were fucking like a radio station. Because, like, radio is yeah, just keep- like... 
people no, listen to us 24 7 that's what they're, no, that's what they're requesting that's number one <laughs> that's number one number two though is just that it's just it's always gonna be fucking king even like when you, you want to know what people are, they're still going to be Alex. I think you're just, just the listeners know how you hard got them rolled rose colored glasses. I feel like this shouldn't be a surprise, but the listeners should know that Alex goes very hard for talk radio. Yes. He's a stan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex, Alex wants to be the Rush Limbaugh of the left. No, he, I mean, he here's he the thing. Do it. He could do it. He already he is. Could. He just haven't, hasn't been discovered yet. <laughs> I mean, first of all, no. <laughs> um, for, I'm just saying, I'm I'm not nearly like that. Like I know, I know that my, I I I know my fucking worth, and I'm not that. I'm not supposed to be that. But I just I do think that radio is fucking you know better. I'm I'm an ideas guy. You feel me? I'm not very talented at all, <laughs> but I'm very I'm very good at ideas. Kind of like Dave Rubin, like you know, like, <laughs> I'm very good with the ideas. Okay, I'm a big picture guy, not talented like at all, and I'm really stupid and I don't read. But yeah, I'm a big picture guy. Well, you know, I I definitely remember my my father listened to Rush Limbaugh quite a lot, um, and I think at a certain point he stopped, and I don't exactly remember why. Um, but I do remember hearing stories of, uh, people like, I remember like reading online of people saying, you know, I had a father or an uncle who was, who was like actually ordered by, by their doctor to stop listening to Rush Limbaugh because it was like sending their blood pressure through the fucking roof. Well, his, his opening and I'm just going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do this from memory from, from like middle school. Cause I remember when Barack Obama won the presidency and I didn't remember when he won the presidency, but I remember the opening and I think it was to Bill O'Reilly because I think his prime time came on right when I got out of school, but it was like the radicals have taken over your taxes are about to go sky high. Uh, and then they did, it was when they did the whole tea party in response. Like I remember them hyping up the tea party. That's what I remember in response to like Occupy Wall Street. And then like, like that was what it was. It was, it was Barack Obama scare, 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 scare. Like again, the radicals have taken over. Oh, hold on to your wallets because your taxes are about to go sky high. That's what it was. And it was in the opening to every single one of his shows. And it was just like this, like, doomsday prediction. And absolutely. And he would, like, go on there and talk about, like, like, oh, God, just just rallying people up and saying, if you know, if you've got $5, if you've got $10, you know, spend it here. If you've got this off afternoon, if you don't have it off, ask your boss to get it off so you can go and protest here and, you know, show that you're a true American and a true patriot. Like, this shit with Trump has been going on a very long time. I listened to it in middle school <laughs> with, yeah. with Bill O'Reilly and Rush Limbaugh. Um, and I, I mean, can, I, s- I still, re- I just, I remember the cadence and I remember the voice and I remember them um, just... I like I I could hear it, you know, like when you're in middle school, you don't really pay attention to radio or anything. But I remember that I remember paying attention to that because it was so compelling. This is what I wanted to talk about tonight, which is like what you 25 year olds remember politically. Uh, So that that's a great example. Um, first of all, though, I will say I've said many times on this pod that I think that like people today pretend like the tea party didn't happen or didn't matter. Like it, they've just kind of written that minute out. Uh, but I, think I mean, they forget mattered. because they just became normal Republicans. Now yeah, they're liter- like, literally, Alex, n- now, yeah. now, now they're like literally the voices of reason compared to like the fucking Trump, the totally Trump loyalists. Like that's kind of, that's where we're at right now. The way that I think of, uh, for, because I mean, again, I wasn't involved in Occupy. I was way too young, and I just didn't hear anything about it as it was going on. But from my perspective, it just seemed like, um, like the Freedom Caucus, and I, it, I just forgot what it was called. What is the, what is the conservative thing we were just talking about? The oh, the tea party. The tea, tea party. party. I, sorry, I was just caught on taxes. I couldn't think of anything but taxes. But yeah. So when I was young, um, and now it seems to me like the Tea Party movement was just a more successful right wing version of Occupy. Like basically, I, uh, mm, 
basically it was mm. a manufactured manufactured but grassroots movement mm. that's like saying that trump doesn't have grassroots support right he has grassroots yeah. support no i see what you're saying but they're not analogous i don't think but you're right that the tea party was both it was both astroturfed and grassroots like it can be both of those things and yeah. tea party was very much real a real grassroots thing and people were so dismissive of it they were like well we know that this is funded by the right so it's not real but it like definitely was real and we should not have uh, well, a lot it. of the enthusiasm and support around it was like genuine, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And it's just that, like, it was largely, mm-hmm. yeah, it was largely financially backed by you know fucking billionaires. Yeah, the uh, to be clear, like what the Tea Party was was a fucking racist response to having a black president, and well, like, really? yeah, and, yeah. And they like, got everything that they wanted, but it's, no, you they, know, they were literally hanging effigies. Of yeah, exactly. Them. Like that was that fuck. That's what the grassroots was. The grassroots was, like, this fucking hanging of black effigies of Barack Obama and the fucking, uh, like, uh, AstroTurf was this huge media operation to basically say this is about uh, economic anxiety and taxes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it was also like extremely about taxes, though, because it was also this was also yeah. the movement pushing emergency management laws. And we this was this was when uh, Michigan became a right to work state. Right. The blacks um, and the workers are taking away your taxes like that. And this this is a straight that was the fear. Clear, immediate through line to the silent majority, right? Um, and if we trace, if we follow Rush Limbaugh and some of, I don't know, probably Newt, um, you can follow them back through the deregulation of uh, media, back through the tax revolts, right? Um, as well as all the moral panics of the 80s, all the way through, like, the suburban... What This is what historians love to talk about with grassroots, right, is, like, this, the 70s, right? The late 60s and the early 70s. And where did that come from? Brown v. Board, right? That was, like... Um, and this was the right... You know, I personally, as a historian, love to do this, but, like, those things were really... Uh, the, the right has been very good at creating a continuity b- between those movements, right? There And... I think that people on the right think of that as part of their heritage, right? They literally think of resistance to Brown v. Board as, like, part of their genealogy. I think probably, like, if you picked their brains. But, like, the left doesn't do as good of a job at um, even creating, like, the idea that there is continuity. We're always like, oh, our movements died, uh, rather than, like, reminding us to see the continuity. But the right is very good at being like, this is a struggle. Or, you know, they might be like, this is a struggle that goes all, all the way back to the Civil War. I think yeah. that's an amazing point. I I agree with that completely. Like, I think that it's, like, be, because on, on the left, right, we don't have... We don't have the luxury of having a media that's like, here's your history, kids. But at the same time, like, do we expect to have one? So it's it's mm. sort of like, I, I mean, I didn't learn about leftist struggles until I got to college. Labor struggles. Mm. I, I knew which about is, which is the kind of psychotic. Kind of. I never learned about Haymarket Square. I didn't yeah, know what Haymarket Square was until I got to college. Who cares about Haymarket, Carly? You grew up like a few miles away from the literal birth of the American auto worker movement. I never right? knew. I never um, knew. And I did because my family were auto workers, but not, you know, it was complicated. No one ever um, told me about the sit down strikes. I didn't know about sit down strikes until I actually left college and started going to Flint. Um, I had no yeah, it's, idea. It's big in Flint. There's like I, a, a I lot of hype around it. There <laughs> were there were parts. Uh, there was um, you know commentary on the sit down strikes in uh, my history textbook. I remember that. But they did have continuity on the right because we you know we're still like the dominant prevailing like like the things we don't talk about as coming from the right aren't talked about because they're just now accepted into mm-hmm. mainstream discourse like welfare queens mm-hmm. that's now mainstream discourse um it is now baked into even the people we think of as progressive or democrats 
in office, the only time they ever talk about welfare reform is when they want to take something away. Now, when we talk about minimum wage, we use it as a way to say that now we don't have to give people any public assistance. So it's it's even among leftists, they think that that's a good idea. So it's very... It's, it's a very ingrained idea. And I remember growing up, that was the thing that my dad said was like, why Barack Obama got elected is because, oh, well, when you give people, black people, free stuff, that's mm-hmm. how you get elected. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you We're know, if those people, Bernie Sanders. black people didn't have mm-hmm. cell phones, those Obama phones, those black Ooh, people Obama. phones, oh my God. you know, maybe they'd be able to Throwback. afford to fo- afford a house. <laughs> That's that's what the discourse was. Uh, you know, I will say that, you know, the I think, of, you know, welfare queen, that's Reagan, um, among others. But the I think of the stripping of welfare as uniquely belonging to the Democratic Party. Right. Because this is the this was the great battle of Bill Clinton that represents he mm-hmm. did this in a lot of ways. But it really represents his, you know, his famous triangulation, his deciding which parts of the right to pick up or whatever it was that he did. Um, and that. You know, the great betrayal really was, you know, we, yeah, the De- the Democratic Party was the party of stripping welfare beginning in the 1990s. First political event you remember, Ben, what's the first political event you remember? I was actually going to bring up uh, how we thought about this episode first was talking about our 9-11 memories. So I don't know if we want to do first yeah. political event or this not, is... how you experienced 9-11. So this discussion that we wanted to have tonight is uh in some ways i guess like an extension of something that we were talking about uh after we finished our last stream uh which is sort of you know uh generational warfare and like how how we see uh you know uh people older than us and younger than us uh in terms of political views uh what i'm you know there's there's a strong uh this strong current that i've seen on social media of people who 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 claim that uh, the Zoomers are going to save us, or that the Zoomers are so much further left than millennials, um, but I I don't really see any evidence of that. Do you do you guys think that uh, the Zoomers are any more socialist or even any more fascist than we are? Can we disclose our generational position before we speak? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, like, are we pro or against generations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what is your what is your generational standpoint? And like, are you pro or against it? Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, what? I mean, just tell people what age you are is what I'm trying to say, so they know from once you speak. I I I am uh, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. What does that I, make you? What? So you're born. That makes me uh, a millennial. But like at, you're like the the youngest possible millennial, right? I'm I'm close to that edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carly actually, Carly is like you. I'm some technically people, a millennial. Yeah, some people say Carly's a millennial. Some people say she's not. Do we? I think, like to say. Do, I like to I don't say care you're a millennial. What you like to say Alex was kidding. <laughs> no, no. This is. I think this is the best definitive answer. Like in terms of like how. Oh. In terms of because first of all, like. Speak. No, like, first of all, like, um, generations are, like, stupid as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't exist. All right. They're not real. But and there's, not, there's not even any set way to define what generation. Because, like, the ranges I mean, of years here, just here, vary. Here's a way. Here's a way, though. I think there is, like, something that's useful in that shit. And there's, like, you know, and what it is is if you, like, if you're a person who remembers 9-11 and remembers things before 9-11... Like, I think that that is something that's very important. This is, I want to underline this because, so you're saying if you remember life before 9-11, then you're a millennial. Yes, yes. Asked, if you remember I, life before 9-11, you're a millennial. I asked um, Atulia, frequent contributor and friend of the pod, who could not be, he's, uh, I would say, my token Zoomer friend. He's a very young man. And he just, I was just asking him questions. And one thing he said, I specifically asked him, and we can get to this. I said, do you think the Zoomers have it worse than millennials? Okay, don't hold your comments on that. Um, And he said, um, he, what did I, what did he say? He said, there was never anything close to a memory of something good for us, which is something I've heard from many Zoomers. That is insane to think about. Yeah, like there was there. I remember like there was what like do you mean a future. By something good. That's a great question, right? Um, a future, like you could envision a future. I like, think that yeah. 
I like don't there know. was there was a future that was promised to us, and now I, that is not happening. I we know that, that and Alex we're all coming saying, to terms to this it. Is, this is fundamental to the millennial myth, right? Is that millennials are the generation for whom something was promised and then denied, and then Zoomers are the generation for whom nothing was even promised in the first place. Um, which I always reject this because, like, I'm poor. Did did I have prospect? I literally didn't. But politically speaking, I think there's something to this because I remember just a totally different vision of like geopolitics and our relation to the world that stopped existing in the 2000s like I'm not going to get into details of what that was but there's something different about it whether or not it meant a future for me I'm not really sure but it was different there was a different set we're talking about end of history shit now I think but that's really kind of what it is yeah I do have a I do have a profound thought on that but I I want to I want some organization from ben before we go forward because i, I want to know how we're gonna structure this discussion no we're just really we're just really disciplined we had we had by the are state we doing first <laughs> are we doing first political memories okay. and then okay. you know who got fucked the worst or what, what are we doing i'm gonna well, cry I, I i opened i opened with a question about what we think about zoomers uh okay specifically their political leanings and then ricky asked asked that we identify our our, our just before you way. before you speak just like say oh. which i didn't do i forgot to do that but like just so people know uh, which ben i was literally the only forgot. one who did it yeah I, okay yeah. so i'm i'm a i'm a millennial and i'm like the millennials that people mean when they say millennial i was born in 1988 i remember columbine i i have some sort of effective attachment to columbine that's like another way you can spot a millennial um and yeah yeah i don't remember columbine but i do not remember columbine i remember yeah me matthias and ben are the same age we're all 26 carly's 24 i'm 12 years old (laughs) (laughs) yeah no, I'm, I'm I remember stuff before. So, yeah, I guess we are talking about that just organically. Yeah. So, I re- go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to go into a big thought. So, you go first. No, I was going to change the subject. So, yours is probably uh, better. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm 24, so I am depending on where you look, either the last possible year for a millennial or already into Zoomer territory. In this discussion, for the purpose of this discussion, I I identify a bit more as a zoomer just because like i'm pretty sure the zoomer generation is still being born so in terms of when like people come into consciousness there are way more like millennials out there than there are zoomers so i i identify more with zoomers just because the conscious differences between myself and other millennials can be so vast and broad if that makes sense so can i ask you carly do you think that zoomers have it worse than millennials uh, in in the parameters that you described, yes, but also no. So my experience is interesting because I was given a promise because I was lied to. And it wasn't like it got taken away. It was that I grew up in a very conservative sphere where all of the things that were going to that would, you know, tell us that impending doom was our only future were th- those were said that like in, in in my community, those were fabrications. Those were lies. Mm. And so you do have a future. And these people are just trying to tell you that you don't. Mm-hmm. However, it became very bleak because, like, it's very core to my current identity and the freedom that I had to gain for myself in escaping that community that... I now associate like the, the sort of the 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 self liberty and freedom of thought that I have a- attained with the doomsday eco anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. So my own sense of personal justice is bound in sort of that truth. The sad part is is that the truth is that we're probably all going to die from climate change and nothing's going to do, nobody's going to do anything about well, it. Right? It's like not we're gonna not going to take the collective action. It is, it is going to be us. It could be us. Look Alex. at what's going on in Texas. You like this you is don't literally know about in the core a social already. Acidification, okay. We've already lost what, what 12% of our ocean biodiversity. We just the, don't know I it don't yet. Wanna t- I don't want to talk about oceans, but we exactly. can talk about water. Right. We like, don't want to talk about oceans. The people in the core, and this matters, 
matters because like what, what happens in Flint and what goes on with water in Detroit is literally also part of the climate question, right? So which mm-hmm. is this this total cor- corrupting privatization of water access is what we mean when we talk about cl- uh, global environmental catastrophe. And it literally already kills people in those cities, right, every day. As of right now, there are still like 13 million people in Texas who don't have access to clean running water. Yeah, that's like fucking what whatever happens in Texas. This is like an aside that we'll keep following later. But whatever goes on with regards to power in Texas is I think it's going to change the terms of of our struggle, like very profoundly. Whatever happens. We said that about Hurricane Irma, though. Mm. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. I think this is. Different fundamentally, but we'll return to it so. when I'm proven I, wrong. I, yeah, I absolutely hope so, and I will. I Look, will. things at the core, man. That. It's at the core. Look, people, people were definitely like you know people, especially because oh, you know I'm so sorry, all of Alex. the. I have something really integral to add to the end of my discussion. Is that okay? Go ahead. Okay, because I know what I'm going to say. Um, because I was uh, just write it down. Write it down, Alex. <laughs> okay. Um. But what I was going to say to um the point uh, earlier that was brought up by our other Zoomer friend is that, you know, in some ways it wasn't, it's not as bad because there's a, there's sort of a solidarity that didn't exist. I think mm-hmm. for, for gen, for people who were born 10 that. years earlier. And what I mean by that is, is the information is out there. Like you can't stop it. Like I was lied to. It's a lot harder to be lied to. For Zoomers, it's a lot harder to lie mm. to them collectively. It's, it's I don't know, they will but believe it. Like I may watch too lies. many TikToks, but Zoomers be believing yes. some dumb shit. I will say, and that's millennials be believing some dumb shit. Didn't, yeah. zo- like didn't Zoomers get way into the Wayfair thing too? Millennials yeah. like Marvel. Uh, like, okay. come on! Like, millennials true. are the millennials are the reason Marvel is like a billion dollar industry. I don't it's think not. That's true. I don't it's know, also I don't Gen know. X. It is also Gen X. Fucking but I would Gen also X. say, but that, like, it's it's, the it's Gen X and it's Gen X and the millennials. No that more are Marvel really... talk. The labors of like I feel like the the Occupy Wall Street and some of the opening of discussions into socialism and leftist thought. You know, you can now access like hundreds of podcasts from a leftist perspective that just didn't exist didn't exist 20 years ago having some defensiveness on behalf of like literally crime think right now but you're not wrong but like that's the fact is this did exist for millennials right there was a massive massive anarcho flavored usually left movement that was 99 right like a famous year of um protest from the left and they was it, would a you lot say that it was shit. like was WTO? Yeah. to to young people like growing I up? I was then? fucking <laughs> reading crime. I don't think remember zines, WTO. I don't but remember. I was WTO. I was literally reading crime think zines and partially I don't want to say this, but partially radicalized by them. They're not accessible in the same way that the internet is. They were also online, I will say. But what you know? So I don't know. I think that these are structural issues, not just about the internet or not the internet, right? Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a living, breathing left the whole time, and it was extremely repressed by the state. Um, it was also like, you know, it had its problems, I will say that. So I would say that then the the zone of proximal development was a lot wider. The areas, yes. the, the, the areas, I was going to say the barriers, but the areas of entry are a lot wider. Yes. And a lot more obvious and a lot more accessible. Also, we do literally just dumb down socialism now, no offense. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Socialism is, is the fire department. Mm-hmm. Yes. Public libraries. Um, you know, to what Ben initially said about, like, uh, are Zoomers going to be more socialist? Are they going to be uh. more fascist? I think that people are more or less the same. You know, like, I think that people were probably just about as smart as they are now in the Middle Ages um you know in in very different uh you know ways but uh they just had different I, access to different information in the middle ages than they a- do now exactly like i don't think that like saint augustine is just like a fucking dumbass <laughs> no yeah i mean i yeah i kind of do but for different reasons <laughs> yes i i know i know anyways my point is that i i think that there are probably going to be just as many like total loons in 
the Zoomer generation. If anime Although, taught me anything, it's that if Gilgamesh was able to transport to today's day and age, he would absolutely dominate the entire globe with his glutes. I don't know. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know about it's that. It's a very nerdy joke. Sorry. Here's the thing. I mean, I, hey, I, I love me some epic of Gilgamesh, okay? But, uh... It's a good... T- it's a story about things. It's one of the oldest stories ever told, baby. Um, but anyways... Did you know Gilgamesh was actually Japanese, but also blonde and white somehow? Alright, um, now you're done. You're done talking. No, no, no. But in all seriousness, though. Uh, generations, they are kind of stupid. They're kind of dumb. What? In what ways? Okay, so I think that's like the... I have always been this way. And I th- I feel like we... Ha- didn't we have this conversation when we were talking about OK Boomer? Which yeah, I we swear did. to God, I thought that that was several years ago. But that was apparently That was last, like... Mm, 2019, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Maybe 2019. Yeah. And I've always mm-hmm. felt the same way, which I continue to. I was alienated by the... Millenn- Millennials created the sense of themselves as like kind of aggrieved by um, articles blaming them for things, right? That's their like... That's... They're like, our life... We were promised something. I feel entitled to it because... I'm not getting it because the world is changing and it's not my fault, blah, 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 which, like, all of that is true, to be fair. Wig. But I always was just, like, I never identified with it because they were, like, and and just, and old people voted for Reagan. And I was, like, bitch, speak to your, like, speak for your own parents, right? Like, because poor people have always been poor people, right? Working class people have always been working class people. Now our mobility has decreased, and we can get to that if you want to. But the fact is that my family in the 80s were not voting for Reagan. They were poor people in Pontiac, Michigan. And um, they're not boomers could do to they like died right uh do that's like a thing that poor people do <laughs> is not yes. a, become boomers yes. due to die yes. um but the the fact is that maybe i need to push back on my resistance to this because it seems like there could be something useful about generations sure they are arbitrary but are they a, a site where we can produce something that looks like meaningful solidarity or a, a class and understanding um so i don't know that Sorry, I don't know that there can be like a really like a a very deep class analysis. I think that it is more of like a psychological thing. And I do Mm -hmm. think that there can be solidarity because I think that it is important to, you know, have relationships with people that aren't just mm-hmm. in your fucking age group literally that's so uh, crucial right yeah i mean you know, I, to, to okay talk boomer to created a, a lot of solidarity though but like but, positive you know, solidarity in, in, in my opinion and okay but look here's the thing like we live in a context where <laughs> alex being like here's the thing i got it we live in a society no 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 we live in a context where there is this like you know you had this massive expenditure that was the World War II war effort mm-hmm. that created like a unionized middle class in this country. Um, you know, like that created a lot of this wealth that, you know, like boomers and oligarchs are hoarding. Like boomers and oligarchs have it and millennials and zoomers do not. That is the literal. That is just the fact but of the matter. The, the middle class for them. There was more mobility, but the fact is that auto workers in Flint, Michigan, who made the wealth of the United States, auto workers in Flint, Michigan, and Detroit, Michigan, are not hoarding wealth currently. No, no, I'm yeah, but no. Compared to us, right? They have. I will say a lot of them. I'm have not houses, talking about right? it at an individual level at all. I'm talking about in but like. But that's what that is. A, that's what this is comprised of: is individuals. Yeah. It's not about yeah. boomers. I, I shouldn't have said hoarding because the hoarding is the individualized thing but it's just like yeah all right but like it was just a wrong choice of words but like the 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 concept is like all it's the same like what happens when boomers who have wealth die what happens to their wealth it's inherited either or it's by who by who inherits the wealth of boomers who they say in their will who is in the will of boomers people who aren't dead yet who is not dead yet yet. who are they are they (laughs) So it could be, but, but that's also like, but that's the thing is, is the boomers were the ones who inherited the wealth from the silent generation. 
that's in our area. Not, that's in not true area. because because old people who are wealthy are not wealthy. Well, let me. My read. the last person in my family to get sure, a GM salary point, was my grandpa, and you know he he I think he passed away. I don't know. I think he's like eighty seven or something. I think, but like my my mother, you know. Yeah, died. actually, it is, is the silent yeah, generation. Died, my God, this like, is a great. This is a great illustration of what the flaw is here. Why are we talking? Right. So the reason that we're talking right now about people whose wealth is literally like a house in uh, Saginaw County, Michigan. Bay we're County, talking about them. Bay County, Michigan. Um, go off. Well, we're talking about them. Right. That's the whole point of what's going on here. But that's the point of giving. Right. What What happened after World War Two and after? The I don't deal think I'm that, talking about them. I'm just I'm talking about in a very people, broad th- is that some people were given more to other than others, right? Through a political yes. structure that and came he was and employed went. through the GI Bill. It was, yeah. it was a racialized political structure that came 100%. and went. And millenn- the millennial ideology is I deserved. This is me being really cold-hearted, but I'm going to say this. I've always regarded the millennial ideology to be like I deserve to be led into that racial political structure mm. that I was entitled. I felt entitled to. Now that's harsh because again, like millennials, like also we're not even talking about. Debt. Debt is like its own fucking thing that was brand brand new for us, right? Like, um, but you know, they create they literally invented new mechanisms to like extract shit from us, like until after we die. But in in the end of the day, right, this was always ideological to begin with, right? The the gen the creating a generation of people who did kind of better if they were white, and then they had houses in Bay County, Michigan. Um, that was designed to sort of uh, do false consciousness. Literally, false consciousness is what we're describing, right? I still, I feel like I'm being a hater, but I actually, I actually am Zoomer negative, and I, uh, I want it to be known. That I, 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 mean, I, I agree no. with your assessment, Ricky, and I think that like the very first time, like, like I, I, I feel very lucky to have come to age where people are discussing these things openly for the first time and it's Mm -hmm. exciting um and it's nice and it's 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 refreshing but it's also very difficult to participate in any sort of political sphere where most of the people are willingly ignorant Mm -hmm. willingly ignorant of the the racialized structures that we live and operate in and willingly participate in them and it's it's very discouraging. Um, I also think you guys will find this hilarious. My first political memory, because I was I was searching my brain around for it. I I I think I brought up nine eleven because, but I don't personally remember it. I remember the sister of my 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 sister's story, which sort of was repeated over time. So that I don't think that really counts. But my first original political memory was George Bush getting shoes thrown at him. <gasps> That's what one of my students said, TV. too. I was saving this because I thought it would land that so goes nice. Off. I always ask my students, I like I like um, babysit college students at uh, their workplace, and I always ask them this question, what's the, first politi- what's the first news item you remember? And one of them said, she didn't even fucking think about it. She was like, when that guy threw that shoe at George Bush. That's so Both dope. So that this is, so is this is what I would do. How I would define a zoomer is if their first political memory is the shoe. <laughs> that is so memory. awesome. I love that. That is my- totally my first memory. I remember being in the one house we lived in for a year, and it being played on that TV over and over in that position. So I must have been. That was because po- it was post nine eleven, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. So oh, yeah. I think I was six when that happened. I think the first thing I remember was the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also like I had like also like gone to uh, Palestine, did, so like that's also sort of when an, did the impeachment happen? Ninety eight or ninety nine? Yeah, I think it was late ninety eight, and it like went through the entire year. Almost. Yeah, I, well, I think it was like in like the second half of his second well, term, wasn't it? I feel I thought like it was uh, earlier in the second term. I thought it was in like ninety seven. Mm. Yeah, I don't even know. Also, remember. this is very interesting. I remember from my APUS history class that Monica Lewinsky was an underlined Please, name. I'm gonna, meaning I'm gonna, she had her own definition logged in the index. I'm going to like die by you just having said I remember Monica Lewinsky from my APUS history class. <laughs> yes. Um, that's really funny. Oh man, that is that is an indictment of history. Um, yes. as it is taught. Yes. You know, I I do have something to say, and I want to get back to this because I I don't think 
Like I think that I think that you're both right about like the um the willful ignorance of a lot of people regarding, you know, the racial structures in this country. Um, and the way that like the distribution of wealth was highly racialized and, uh, you know, that is more or less scrubbed from the immediate post-war history. Oh, things were good that, you know, you could, you could have a house and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that I don't think that there's anything wrong with expecting those things. Because I think that a decent society should provide those things to mm -hmm. everyone. Sure. Um, yeah. And and not only mm -hmm. should it, but we not fucking can. We shouldn't give everybody cars. We shouldn't have cars. Well, yeah, and I mean, I didn't say a car. I said a <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah, okay. But that's part of it, though, right? Uh, we shouldn't also have single-family houses. No, I think you're right. But what mm -hmm. then when people start going online and being like, socialism is the new... Socialism is 1950... Uh, socialism is Levittown, right? Yeah, no, like, definitely not. There's like a... I think you're right, though. But of course I think you're right. Right? So what's... <laughs> what, Socialism what I, is paying people fifteen dollars an hour instead here's of twenty five. <laughs> here's what I've been trying to say. I've been trying to say this for like the longest time now. But sure. <laughs> uh, okay, but like it's not about right, like whether or not you know generations are like this finite actual thing. It's really about like there are there are these like little you know differences. You know, like remembering nine eleven is like a really good one. I feel like. You know, there are these little differences in, like, people's motivations. Sure. This is... And, and it's it's about organizing, right? It's about knowing how to talk to people. It's about knowing, like, pe like people's, like, you know, struggles or, you know, viewpoints or... And that's what it's about. It's about, like, having, like, just, like, knowing, you're, knowing the ground you're standing Tethering on. Tethering to I, context. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that yeah. reminds me of why I... Or one of the things why I very much liked Marianne Williamson's interview that she did with Chapo, because she talked about how, like, for her generation, like, the assassination of uh, RFK and JFK, like, one right after the other was insanely uh, traumatic. That would be very, them. yeah, that would be very jarring to, like, people. And I, like, don't want to discount that, like, that, that, that like, collective psyche i mean i've never i've never personally understood it so i'd be but what what else did she say because i'm glad she tried to explain it no yeah like that's actually a really good one too like the assassination like not just not just of jfk and rfk but like martin luther king M or um, malcolm x fred hampton all of yeah, this yeah. stuff all of this did stuff I happened jfk and R sorry but, but yeah, 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 keep going. All keep of on. this stuff happened, yeah, you, like... Yeah, MLK and RFK, that's 68, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. All of this stuff happened, you know, within the span of, like, 10 years. Maybe less so. Yeah. You know? Like, that's insane to think about. You sure. know? I always feel that way the about the The president 60s. got his head blown off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just don't... We just don't know... They had it so good. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> they had it so good. <laughs> all right, all right. Could, could you it imagine Donald Trump's head getting like blown off? Okay, yo, enough, yo, like, you want to know what? No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Shut up. Everyone shut up because this is fucking hilarious. You want to know what the worst thing, the worst thing to come out of fucking uh, Trump not getting convicted for impeachment? Because if Trump would have gotten convicted for impeachment, the Secret Service would no longer be like obliged to like take care of him. That motherfucker would have got assassinated by Iran. No fucking doubt. No, way. no fucking no way. doubt. Listen, he still I might. You. He still might. And I, I hear you all. Inshallah, I'm just I fucking wish. Saying how many <laughs> heads got blown. Up. Never mind. Okay. I'm just saying, like, literally 9 11. Like, I hear that about the president. And again, I have always said that I think our generation really needs an assassination. Yeah. Like, we're missing one. But literally 9 11, right? And also, like, yeah, as I yeah. mentioned before, Columbine was, like, so visceral. And it was, like, the first one that was that broadcast. Speaking of, no. like, gun violence. But, um, and also, uh, right. So many people my age, the answer to this question is Oklahoma City. 
um, which is I do remember in Oklahoma City less clearly, but I do remember watching when that happened. And that would be this one. That one was extremely scary when it comes to if you imagine watching your president get assassinated or your like future, you know, your future president get assassinated. Imagine watching what, you know, it must have felt like a, a real, I don't know, like a, a new way of thinking about the state and the sureness of the state, right? Watching literal, like, people from down the road from you blow up a fucking federal building and kill just, like, a shit ton of people. Um, and I hear a lot of people say that that was kind of a, a sea change for them in terms of how they thought about the sureness, like, the finiteness of, or the, you know, I guess they imagined the U.S. state to be finite for the first time um, in the mm-hmm. 90s with that kind of violence. Um, I mean, I also, like, it was also interesting to me, because I grew up with with a lot of people who, like, I just didn't understand the context of these assassinations and these people that, like, they'll have pictures up on the wall. My family was Catholic, so it was always Mm -hmm. Kennedy for them. Sure. Um, But also, why Midwestern moms were so obsessed. He was assassinated for being Catholic. (laughs) Don't even start, Matias, like... They I mean, he definitely that. was. Like, Dude, come yes, on. Think yes. They, they be- literally believe that he was assassinated for being Catholic, and they all have, like, a picture of him on the wall. That's a thing. Yes, my grandma had a picture of John F. Kennedy on her wall. And um, so did my great-grandmother. But uh, I just didn't understand why Midwestern moms, you know, felt so bad when Diana died, but when mm. she was hugging people with AIDS, they were all like, ew. Like, you know, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. that was one that yeah. didn't make sense. That really didn't quite fit with me. Princess Di was the Gen X's Amy Winehouse is what that was about. Yeah. yeah honestly, I get yeah, I draw nice. a lot of parallels also, and nice. to that. I'm going gonna, gonna to walk that one back a little bit, but... <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> Princess Dies album is not so good. I also have a, I also have a very like it's it's weird because my the the time that I grew up in was was more so curtailed to Gen Z, but a lot of my social identifiers came from Gen X. I think mostly because my mm, mom had me when same. she was forty, so like the experience of my parents was was older than what my experience was, if that makes sense. Like my, my, like I said, my grandpa got in with the GI bill and was working at, uh, the GM plant in, in Bay city. So, but he, it was very unusual. He divorced my grandmother. So they separated and my, my mother didn't get any of that, that generational wealth. Um, her, she, her, mom lived off of alimony checks which were also very interesting until like all her kids moved out and then she was really poor for a few years and then started getting social security checks um but uh the only time i I experienced that sort of gm the gm child privilege was when we went to buy a car and my mom got a massive Mm. discount because her grandpa worked for gm so we got a pontiac Mm. vibe remember that yeah we got a pontiac vibe and it was like it was a new car and it was like oh wow a new car like that wasn't that we didn't get new stuff so that was something strange and there's like a crazy amount of not to like be i kind of want to return to this question though of the rust bell experience but there's like a crazy amount of like um symbolic generational gestures that gm does in gm towns like like you know my lucas a friend of the pod lucas my husband he like got um a lot of his college paid for by gm even though he didn't end up working for them himself just because he was like you know the son of which i think is goes to what we were talking about right um that there was like this um they want it, you know, there's this ideology. Here's what I want to say about this. I talked about this before, about this promise that millennials were denied. That promise was denied a lot earlier in the Rust Belt, right? That's kind of the, yeah. the mythology that I was raised up around. Like, for me, like, what our, my mythology is uh, Roger and me, right? Michael Moore's Roger and me. And so it's this idea that everybody had something that was promised to them, but it was taken away in, like, 1980, right? Um, and so, and then there was, like, this 20-year period where that was... So I, th- I think, I feel like people from Flint, Michigan might have more in common with Zoomers, uh, which is to say that there was just, like, this whole period of, like, total doomsday, kind of, there's nothing after this. Um, uh, I would say a, a propagandized trauma mm-hmm. alongside of a doomsday. There's a lot mm-hmm. of trauma porn that came out of Flint. Sure, yeah, uh, including and Roger and Me by Michael and Moore. Yes, that's, and that's I, it was very, <laughs> actually very interesting. Michael the very Moore. first Michael Moore movie I ever watched was the Columbine one, and I watched mm-hmm. it my senior year of high school. 
Mm, For my AP government class. Is it like riffing off other pods if we did a Michael Moore series? I don't think other pods have done a Michael Moore. We should do a Michael Moore series. Michael Moore has his own podcast now. Let's let's do it with Zach. Let's get Zach on here. Well, there are other podcasts, but they don't do that. We should ask Michael Moore to come on. He might come on. He He might might come come on. on. We're all Michigan people. I was going to say, as as a Michigan-based podcast, we do have the right to do a Michael Moore let's, series Let's do it, but to. only if Zach does it. Zach, former friend of the pod who <laughs> Yeah, like I need someone anymore. from Saginaw to back me up. No. I, I, I'll reach out and uh, see if he's interested. Threaten him. <laughs> I think if Michael Moore is, like, interested, Zach will come on. <laughs> let's, tell, let's tell him. Let's tell him. <laughs> yeah, let's tell him that Michael Moore is going to out with us <laughs> any minute now any minute oh we just had got no. some internet issues but in 10 minutes we'll try to be on but in the meantime why don't we just start off this pod michael says we should start recording without him <laughs> <laughs> okay i just i just remembered though the other the other key thing i wanted to bring to your attention so we talked about 9 11 i but here's the thing that i feel like is more important to zoomers than it is to me is literally the betrayal of barack obama to me, like, I, I observe yes. that, that Obama is so central to younger people. And to me, I'm just like, oh, he's another Bill Clinton, right? Um, I think that there's almost like a generational gap in the experience because, like, the people who helped get him elected. Well, it's 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 weird. The young people who actually worked on his campaign feel very different, right? But there's, like... There's like a gener like generations of people who are like Barack Obama. We got like he's in the White House. We helped get him there. That's amazing. Then there's the people who helped get him elected, young people, and then the people who lived through his administration who are like, wow, this sucks. But then there's the younger people who are sort of taught the mythology of their parents about Barack Obama, and so they have mm-hmm. more so of a emotional connection to it well, rather than uh, yeah. a practical that's kind connection. Of what I, that is true. That's like definitely a, a thing with Libs, and it, he's important to Libs. But yeah. I think that. It's emotional on the other side too which is that the people who believed in him and then they put him in there and then he did drones and um arnie duncan and that that betrayal is so key to what would become maybe occupy sure but like i feel like a lot of those people would grow up to be bernie types in that generation right that's what i encounter working on bernie stuff is that he is so key to people's understanding of what it meant to be betrayed by the state or whatever my yeah. first research formal research paper I ever did, which was in high school, I did on Arn Duncan and Common Core. That shit sucks. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, I, what, what did I say? No Child Left Behind was awful. <laughs> this really sucked. Mm-hmm. Race to the top. Wow. Not good. I was like, now I know why have we got all these smart boards in like two months. <laughs> Makes so much mm. sense now. Are we still doing Texas? We really went off on generations. I was not expecting it to be this long. <laughs> I thought the whole episode I, was good discussion, to be. though. Yeah, I didn't even no. get to talk much about TikTok. We'll return to TikTok at a later date. We're going to have a whole episode on TikTok. Yeah, we didn't yeah. really talk about whether or not Zoomers were fash or not. I don't think they're fash. I think they're little baby libs. When Joe Biden bans TikTok for being Chinese, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I think sure. I think a lot of them are... Uh... I don't know. They're not fash. They're just like there's like there's a lot of like snowflake raised fash mm, though. That's the thing. Like I, I will I say play, that I I'm, play video games in that. I'm being a lot. evil. I'm being evil. But like all the Zoomers I interact with on a weekly basis are literally like communists who are always like correcting me when I'm like wrong about communism because they're like smarter than me. They're like but, little like seventeen year old like Marxists. But, but you, there there might actually be something to have because there's a lot of kids. And I say kids as, like, people who are younger than me. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of people who are younger than me who play video games. And it's such a toxic space for women, minorities, gay people, uh, all the above. Sure. It's it's so fucking toxic. But it's it's definitely, like, a childlike reaction to people feeling like they're not allowed to say something. Like, they think they're all edgy. But I wonder if, as those people grow into adulthood, that might be better than not talking about it at all. Because my generation, we didn't talk about it. Or, um, you know, when I was in school, because I grew up conservative, so my generational experience is not sure. the same across the board. We didn't talk about it at all. And those people grew up into worse racists, I sure. feel like, because we didn't address it. 
So at least these young people know they're not supposed to talk about it and they're acting out because they feel entitled, but maybe they'll grow out of the entitlement is what I'm saying. I I think that there's a missing piece, which is the generation in between, which is my generation, is perceived by Zoomers sometimes rightfully as having like encoded all of these rules of political correctness that are, you're not allowed to say the R word and sex, sex, uh, what am I thinking about? Sex positivity and all of this like lit girl boss, queer, pink washing shit. That is, like, rightfully, that's one thing we can really hang on millennials, but I feel like young people, and my interpretation of this kind of, like, incel culture, is they see my generation as having, you know, they see that as kind of oppressive. Sometimes, like, they have a a point, right? They see it as, they see it as an encoded ideology and not the way that my peers see it, which is that we, like, made the world better by, like, banning the R word. I don't want to be flippant about that because the R word I feel like is like really bad. Like it's one of the worst ones. But um, that's like the common example is that we just, um, you know, create and then and then we all became like girl bosses at like co-working job. I don't well, the know. only the only correction that I would say, well, first of all, those children don't have jobs yet. But second of all, they it's not it's broader than insult culture. It's meme mm, culture. Yeah, it's meme culture Shh. as a whole. Um. As 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 it is defined, that's too broad. Somewhere in the middle, Gen Z. Somewhere no, middle. I think I, I I don't think that there is a meme culture. Yeah, I agree with Gen Mathias. Z's meme culture. Then I, memes are like the are like a a, a, a f- part of the culture, right? They're like a formal property of it, but they're not like a culture. But I I would say if it were to be defined in a culture within itself, it would be. That it would be that young people, it would have that fascist, it would have that reaction against so-called political correctness in it. Because the people who identify themselves by memes have that, like, 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 it's that not incel. It's, it's not really, I I can't define it by anything else. It's just young. It's just, it mostly male. It's, it's, it's my identity is trying to be defined by other people. Here's a meme redirect this because i just remembered i had a conversation with friend of the pod brandon johnson and he said it would be cool if we talked about subcultures more so i feel like maybe we should table this and get into a real beef good idea brandon that said that can't remember we can get into a real debate about we should we should actually also just have more formal debates about we're we're coming after the pit crew zionists like That's yeah, right. there we go. The pickers Zionists, those motherfuckers are Zoomers. We'll talk about exactly. Yes, exactly. Let's do, That's let's why. Just I, do a whole That's why I mentioned Simpson them. Cucks. Simpson I, cucks. I just dreamed about yelling at someone about Israel. So yeah, we should do that. <laughs> you, wait a second. You had a dream about yelling at someone about Israel. That's really funny. I don't want to go into it, but yes. <laughs> Let's do a Freudian analysis of Matthias's dreams. Uh, we'll make that a whole segment. I will say there's a lot of the Zoom, the Jewish Zoomers. There's a lot of conservatism going on there. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna cork this. Zoomers. <laughs> I can't stop. Oh laughing. my god! I can't and stop that. laughing at this meme you sent in the chat. I'm sorry. Oh my god. No one's no one's gonna go for that. I ruins I sounds that sounds like a gummy candy. I ruined everything by sending everyone a meme that calls Jesus a toxic simp. That was really funny. (laughs) I derailed the whole fucking recording. That's no, that's okay. Uh, I feel like we are sufficiently uh, off the rails uh, to a point where we can probably just stop now. Yeah, okay, I want to say stuff. one thing about Texas to wrap up because I, okay. I I've actually okay. held this in the bank because I thought we were gonna get to it. Well, no. we kind of zoomed past it. <laughs> ben, your joke was bad. You should feel bad. What? What? I sorry. Pun not pun not intended. Um, sorry. Go, Alex. Uh, okay. Wow. Um, yeah, so really, like, we're definitely approaching the point where, like, one of these disasters is going to cause, like, a massive, like, supply failure and, like, people are going to die from, like, starvation and all that shit. I mean, that's already, like, starting to happen. Like, somebody froze to death, I think. Or there's people, definitely... Like, well, yeah. A lot of people froze, freeze to yeah. death every day. In yeah, people, like are freezing, people are freezing. People are freezing. Yeah, no, free, people are freezing to death, like, every day because of homelessness. 
Um, uh, but yeah, like, like but like, like it, people, it, it, it only but it like, only it's matters be like, like who dies. It only matters. It's gonna who be dies. like it, it's. It, but it, I mean, it's no, it's not. It's not about who dies. It's like it, it's about quantity. There's gonna be like an uptick. Sure, of like, he's right about this. That's true. There's gonna be like an uptick of you know people, um, you, like freezing to death and stuff like that, or dying of starvation. Like that's what we're gonna see. Like a huge uptick of that because of these disasters. Like yeah. we, yeah. we are, we already obviously, yeah. yeah, we already obviously get an uptick, but we're getting to the point now where like, you know, things are so bad where that's where we're going to be. Where like that's, are, do you think are, that that's going to cause more people to vote uh, for Whitmer in the 2022 election? <laughs> <Alex>? Gretchen Whitler. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to assume that was a, uh, rhetorical question it was a knife pointed at the heart of your argument because i see where you're going and i'm killing your hope (laughs) no he's not saying this is good for the left he's just saying we're all gonna die oh okay yeah Yeah, i agree with that yeah yeah we're good well you know (laughs) tech what's happening in texas is an ongoing crisis and as alex alluded to probably the uh one of just many to come uh so we will be returning to that uh in the future uh, but in the meantime, uh, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. Uh, make sure to su- make sure to subscribe to our show, follow us on social media, and uh, we should be live streaming this Sunday on Twitch. You, uh, I think the plan is to do the trivia show, right? The trivia game. Yeah. Which we were we were planning on doing like a few weeks ago, uh, but uh, we ended up canceling because we had some people bail. Um, <laughs> Some people. I'm not pointing any fingers at uh, <laughs> Ricky or Carly. I, yeah, it was um, like all of us. <laughs> my but, mother-in-law was in the hospital. Yeah, no, that, that that's... Yeah, I think I bailed too, so... No, you didn't, but it's okay. Oh, okay. It's Sorry. fine, because we're going to be doing it on Sunday, uh, February 21st at 8 o'clock p.m., which you can find on twitch.tv slash state of the revolution. So, uh, well, you hope to see you all on Sunday, and... Uh, Goodbye. Farewell. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh, my God. My dog is about to go...